everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Lale Arakoglu, and with me, as always, is my co-host Meredith Carey. Hello. With many companies still offering flexible and remote work options and the outdoors calling our name, we think this summer may be the ultimate time to pack it up and live on the road for a few weeks, or months in fact. So, we're calling on the pros who have more than their fair share of experience living out of vans and RVs to give you all the advice you need to set out for the first time. We're joined by Asheville-based writer and photographer Erin McGrady and Naomi Grevenberg, founder of Diversify Van Life and one half of the Instagram duo, Irie to Aurora, who are here to help debunk the myths of van life and prevent you from making rookie mistakes. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for having me. So to just set a baseline for everyone about how much you both know, um, (laughs) what got you into traveling and living in vans in the first place? Uh, my story starts with a with a romance. Um, I'd been doing a solo adventure trip, and I'd driven my car to Asheville, North Carolina, just on a whim. Um, and I started swiping through a dating app, and I matched up with my soon to be then wife partner. But we actually didn't meet in in real life that evening. After matching, we didn't meet until like three months later. Um, we just wrote long love letters. Um, back and forth to one another over the winter. And then we finally brought it into real time. And then life just really took off from there. Um, we both just like quit our jobs. I was a teacher. She owned a donut shop here in Asheville. And we decided we were just going to go for broke and travel. Bought an RV and the rest is kind of history. And Naomi, how about you? Yeah, mine is a little bit of a romance as well. Um, I actually love that story, Erin. Um, Dustin and I, my, my husband Dustin and I, we were living in New Orleans. Um, we both had like our full-time nine-to-five corporate jobs. I was an environmental biologist and he worked in construction management. And, you know, we were there just living, living our, our nine to five gigs. And, you know, it just started getting really redundant. And we started questioning ourselves like, um, you know, is this what we were going to do for the rest of our lives? Like, are we just going to work nine to five careers, come home, party, drink and, and repeat? And we started to just, you know, take a step back and reevaluate our life's trajectory. But when we met, um, it was probably five years prior to that. We on the day we met at an LSU football tailgate, I kind of shared with him my dream of traveling the country in a van and visiting all the national parks and exploring you know, America the Beautiful. And he shared a similar feeling that he always wanted to do that. So we decided at the same time to dig up an old dream of traveling the country in a van. And three months later, we were on the road in our van traveling. We kind of jumped headfirst into the the idea because we knew we were going to talk ourselves out of it. I don't recommend it to anyone, but, <laughs> you know, because I'm a headfirst in kind of person. But um, yeah, it, it's the best decision we ever made. And five years later, here we are. It was supposed to be a one-year journey from New Orleans to Alaska and back. <laughs> You've got a lot more places, I'm sure, than just along that original route. (laughs) I mean, six months in, we were like, "Uh, I don't think uh, we want to stop doing this. It must have felt quite scary to take that leap and quit your jobs. Were there any moments where either of you got cold feet or sort of took a beat and was like, what are we doing right now? Is this totally irresponsible? Well, all our friends were telling us that. <laughs> all, our fa- all our family members were like, uh, this is pretty 
out there, guys. And we're like, yeah, it's a radical shift. Honestly, we did. We, with all the, the noise of everyone else's, you know, opinions and suggestions about what we're doing with our lives kind of, um, you know, affected the decision. But we decided to put the blinders on and just stay focused because deep down inside, you know, it was a calling. We had a calling and we had to see it through. We both felt the same way. So, yeah, we... We looked at each other the morning after we decided to to do it and we're like, well, are we doing this? Yeah, we're doing this. Okay, <laughs> let's go. So yeah, it, it was hard, but um, but yeah, I'm glad we did it. Um, Aaron, how about you? Did you guys ever think, oh God, what have we done? Yes, we had... <laughs> numerous moments usually it would start with me waking up in a in a panic which quickly led to tears and then doubt and all the different kinds of things where I think at different points we both had those fears come up and luckily they happened at different times so my wife and I could kind of bounce off one another and then bring each other back to to a place of strength and then just trying to keep going but yeah I also can resonate with what you're saying Naomi about your friends and your family you know, just have, having forsaken the, the steady paycheck of just, uh, and then thinking like, oh, we have to live with this new reality of discomfort and not knowing where the money is coming from. I think that was the most stressful part. I'm kind of touching on that topic of, you know, reality and sort of, you know, sort of discomfort when it comes to things like, uh, you know, finances and so on. I think there's a lot of Instagram versus reality when it comes to van life and life on the road and sort of taking a slightly more nomadic trajectory. What do you think people misunderstand about what it takes? I mean, I think for me, it was, you know, I had this idea that, you know, everything was just going to be perfect. I would be um, doing yoga in all these extraordinary places, reading all the books that have all this time. But I think people underestimate how long it takes to do things. Like every day, you know, just packing up the van and moving from one spot to the other takes forever. So I think that that's one of the things that a lot of people underestimate. And I'd imagine that that isn't just true of packing up, but of the driving as well. It took me a really long time to realize that what Google Maps says, I can then <laughs> add like plus two minimum. <laughs> um, but I used to look at the thing and think, oh, okay, like there's no traffic. This route looks like it's mostly highways. We're going to be able to do X, Y, Z. And then suddenly we're rolling into camp at 10 p.m. in the dark. Um, and we're both really annoyed at each other. So we've learned to just dial back a bit on expectations and then Google Maps plus two hours. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, we go really slow and we kind of plan. We don't do much planning as far as like, we don't plan like months in advance or anything like that. We plan for the week. Okay, this week we're going to drive these days and we're going to work and explore on these days. So that's usually, so we everything is done in, in time blocks. And going back to Lali's question, Erin, what do you feel like is misunderstood about traveling and working out of your van? I, I guess I think that... um. Like, I recognize that it's a place of, um, like, I'm doing it because I want to do it, not because, um, like, I'm forced to live there. And I've, I think in the last year or so, really, it's, I've had my eyes open to, to the privilege that I have in traveling in this way. Um, and I've become more aware of it. And it's, um, I've had more of an appreciation for, for being able to do the things um, that I'm doing, but not wanting to share about it in a way that makes it feel, like, alienating or isolating or... Um, something for other travelers. Um, and I think that if you want to travel and you have your car and your car is good enough, you don't have to have a brand new van or it doesn't have to be a stand up or it doesn't have to be something that's 
like the tall stand-up Mercedes, though I and I like those vehicles and I think they're great. I think like, you know, even just getting to a park via public transportation is a cool thing too. I think what you're saying is really interesting, kind of touching on that, that it is a privilege to choose to live this way and to live nomadically as a choice is something that not many people get to do and many people are forced into it and live it, live it, live that life in a very different way. Kind of on the topic of this year, obviously that seems to have put it in relief for you, Erin, but I'm interested to know what navigating this year has been like, both kind of on an emotional level and also just kind of responsibly. We had been traveling and we were in the van when the pandemic hit and we'd come back from a trip in Death Valley. And we came back to Asheville and we're just like seeing all the things happening and putting things together and realizing like the most responsible thing seems to be to stay in town and home um, and and just lock down with everyone else rather than going back out west as we had planned. Um, But we had a we have a tiny home, which I'm in today. Um, It's 484 square feet. And someone had been living in it who was a travel nurse. And um, so we didn't have housing and we ended up um, moving to five different places within the year because we were just not we we didn't have a place to go that wasn't the van because we hadn't planned on being home. So the person that was living in our home, um, she wanted to re-up to stay at the hospital. And we're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you're a really vital part of this community. So we found ourselves scrambling again. um, And then we finally got back into our house a couple months ago. And it was just a real relief to be able to have a place to go, but also to really feel like what it was like to be displaced temporarily and just a strange way to experience the pandemic when we thought we were going to be out west doing some really fun adventures and, and work. And some of our biggest projects got shut down. So we were scrambling on how to pivot and turn the work into something that was based from home. Um, I just have a deeper appreciation for, for even just small adventures these days because of being forced to stay within a smaller radius. Naomi, how about you? Yeah, we were actually in an apartment in New Orleans, um, preparing to get back on the road in the spring when the pandemic hit. And we were kind of caught in this place of like, should we stay or should we go? What's the responsible thing to do? We were already, you know, packed up, ready to go. We we were renting an apartment, so we had already given notice and we called the landlord and we said, we're thinking about staying. He's like, well, unfortunately already rented the place for someone else. So that was our answer. So the next day we decided, okay, we're going to um, get back in the van and we're going to figure it out and try to stay safe. Maybe just go isolate somewhere. And a friend of mine um, has some property out in Taos and she called me and she said, y'all are welcome to come stay on the property for as long as you need. And that was such a blessing for us because, you know, I was terrified you know, how am I going to do this in a van? This is, you know, it's not the same public lands we're shutting down, you know. So, yeah, my partner and I were pretty fortunate to be able to do that. So we went and stayed on our friend's property in Taos for a few months and then um, got back in the van and went uh, to California and rented a cabin for another few months. And later in the year, we kind of, you know, came out and decided, OK, we're going to like slowly make our way. Um, probably back to New Orleans or something like that. And, um, you know, it it was interesting. Um, It definitely wasn't the van life that I knew. You know, we had plans to go to Alaska last year, finally make it to Alaska, and that didn't work out. So we ended up just hunkering down in Arizona for the winter. And, um, 
Yeah, and that's how we were able to stay safe and we were able to isolate when we were in the van. We stayed isolated and um, it was a unique experience. And, you know, like Aaron was saying, I just feel really privileged to have been able to have that choice um, and to still have a home. You know, my van is my home, so I was still able to, to have shelter and still able to, to stay safe. But it really... Um, brought a lot to the surface for me as far as like what we were talking about van life being a privilege and having the privilege to choose because throughout the pandemic you know a lot of people got forced out of their homes and a lot of people are being forced to to live this lifestyle and that's something that I always tell other van lifers like we have a responsibility to recognize that not everyone you know can choose this lifestyle but we also have to understand that um, you know with that privilege comes a responsibility you know, my first few years in van life, it was very romanticized, you know, that you need this $60,000 rig to live this way. But no, I think some of the most important stories that we should be sharing are the stories of those who aren't choosing this lifestyle, aren't privileged to live it, aren't privileged to leave the city and go exploring in all the beautiful places. Some people have to stay in their vans near cities because that's where they work. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel pretty fortunate in a sense. Naomi, you, you mentioned sort of those first few years of living on the road and how it was, you know, you, even you, you yourself kind of romanticised it in a way. When you think, both of you, when you think back on those early months or those first kind of trips or kind of batches on the road, what advice do you wish you could tell your first time self about van life? Yeah, I had this idea that I need to see and do everything, you know. But we've slowed down significantly in the past few years and a lot last year during the pandemic. Uh, van life has changed for me in so many ways. Uh, you know, when I first got on the road, I wanted to explore all the national parks. I wanted to see everything. But uh, like, you know, like I said earlier, it comes with a responsibility in a sense. And now I've chosen to travel slow. I've chosen to to immerse myself in cultures and understand the history of, of this land that, that I'm so fortunate to be able to occupy and explore and live and work. Um, yeah, and, you know, just traveling slow really allows me to create a sense of place and, and, and a sense of, of routine sometimes, which is something really, really difficult to do in this lifestyle. I, I don't like saying I have a routine per se. I have like rituals and I've been able to adapt tools that, you know, helps me to have some kind of balance because, you know, I'm a digital nomad as well. We work on the road and that's been kind of, you know, a, a learning curve for sure. But um, but yeah, I'd give my, my younger self <laughs> a few years ago the advice of uh, taking it slow creating a sense of place. I love that. Erin, what about you? Man, I wish I could have avoided purchasing a vintage RV because it was just <laughs> a disaster. And I really romanticized, well, really, okay, I'm going to blame my wife on this and we can argue <laughs> about it later, but she has this really beautiful way of picking out like a diamond in the rough and she will find something that she thinks is really aesthetically pleasing and then I get excited about it because she's excited about it. But really, we should both look at each other and run. <laughs> we did that twice with two different vehicles. We had a 1976 uh, Toyota Chinook, which was like this cool pop-up Toyota truck camper. And like when you register it, it's actually called a house car. I was obsessed with this thing. And we spent a lot of money getting the inside, you know, 
what do you call it? Reupholstered and um, making it look really Instagram worthy. But the, the engine was just crap, for lack of a better word. It didn't work. <laughs> and it led to a fiery death on the toll just outside of some place in Indiana. And we had to crawl home with our tail between our legs. But we also had another mishap not too long after that with another vintage vehicle because we just were still still of the mindset that we needed this kind of throwback thing. And I say vintage, but it was like sort of just a year older than me. So I don't know what that says about <laughs> me. Um, but we got another another Toyota truck camper and we ended up selling that one as well. And then we finally just uh, started traveling around in our old Toyota 4Runner. And then that also died in Las Vegas. Happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas, <laughs> as they say. Um, and then we finally got into the van. We, we just looked at each other, just defeated. And we're like, we have got to get something that's mechanically sound, even if it looks just basic. And it's our van is very basic. People mistake us for the electrician regularly. Um, but yeah, so I would definitely make sure that the mechanics of it, unless you're really gifted with tools and microcomputers and whatnot in vehicles, that you, you buy something that's functional and won't leave you stranded because it is a really bad feeling um, to be broken down. And, like AAA said that they were going to cancel our membership because we'd had too many toes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we got a letter in the mail. It finally called up to us. It had gone to my mom's house. And she's like, you got a letter from AAA. And I open it. And I'm like, oh, I, we start to read it. And they're like, we're going to discontinue your membership if you have another toe. And we're like, we didn't even know that was a thing. I was about to say, I was yes. like, that's the service. That's what <laughs> they do. You their entire job. <laughs> I mean, we break down all the time. So I got I to tell my husband this. <laughs> yeah, be on the lookout for the letter. <laughs> yeah, I guess the kind of romantic idea of having like a vintage van is sort of shattered when you're standing at the side of the road in the middle of the night waiting for AAA to show up. Yeah, there's only so many cool pictures you can make out of like the forlorn face <laughs> right. with, with the tow truck in the background. <laughs> I kind of resonate with your story, Erin, because I have an old Westie and we have we break down all the time. But my partner, like on the first the first time we bought the van, we were preparing to get on the road. He spent the entire two weeks leading up to it under the van, just, you know, talking quietly to himself. <laughs> and that's when I knew that he would be our in-house mechanic. I feel so fortunate that he is, you know, skilled at mechanics um, because I wouldn't be driving in my iconic Volkswagen Vanagon. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I, I resonate. Like, I feel like that's an important tool for people to understand. Like, vans break yeah. down. It's inevitable. You really have my dream vehicle, and and we will point out to one another when we see one on the road, like that one's moving. It's it's <laughs> working, as if somehow that will lend confidence to us to purchase something like that. But. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> um, for people who are trying out living or working out of a van for the first time this summer, what are like things to pack that you think that people forget that you have found to be so important in your day-to-day -day life now? For me, it's my uh, Wi-Fi booster. I can't live without it right now because I'm able to, you know, still be a little bit more remote on the days that I work and still able to get um, service for my hotspot. Before that, it was really difficult. I spend a, spent a lot of time in Walmart parking lots and Starbucks, uh, you know, parking lots. So now I'm still able to, to get out a little bit further into remote areas and work. So I, for me, I think this year, that's for digital nomads. It's a, it's a booster, Wi-Fi booster. 
Hmm, I need to look into one of those. Thanks for that tip. I think for me, it's just some weird random stuff. Like I always need a piece of string so I can hang up some laundry um, because we'll do that in the van, but then it just smells bad at night. (laughs) Um, I'm a big fan of hammocking because then that allows me to get a little tiny bit of personal time because I love my wife. But when you spend like this far from one another all day long, you need to be able to get away from each other and do it in a way that's not going to cause an argument. Um, So hammock time is cool. And then I, I could do really well with just a spork. When I when we first set off, I literally packed an entire set of china. Like, what do you call it? Like the spoon and fork and knife. Like I had fifteen of each, but there was you were two. Gonna, of us. You were gonna have dinner parties in that van. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah, you know, I found up just like we we use like the same thing over and over. We lick it. That's a symbol that it's clean, and so it could do away with a lot less. <laughs> Minimize, 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 right? That's that's the thing. Minimize, minimize, minimize. Erin, <laughs> you mentioned your sacred hammock time, which I think after the past year, anyone who has been locked down with a partner can definitely relate to. Uh, as we record this, my husband is like hiding in the other room. <laughs> um, how have you both navigated being in such small enclosed spaces with a partner for such long lengths of time. And I think also sort of sharing all of your experiences together. Like, it's not like you get to the end of the day and you necessarily have something new to tell the other person, um, which has been like very strange for me this past year. Um, So I'd love to know how you've both navigated it. Yeah, it was was rough (laughs) in the beginning, for sure. Um, I mean, everything is heightened. You know, you're with this person, every single thing is heightened. and we're in each other's face all the time. It, we were stepping, literally bumping heads and stepping on each other's toes and nerves. But we've learned to to really communicate through a place of empathy, um, our needs. Like if, you know, we have a, a small full-size bed in our van. And so, you know, we have a pop-top that also has a pull-out bed. And sometimes I just want the bed to myself when it's, you know, that time of the month or, you know, I'm fatigued from the road. Sometimes I just want to spread out. So it's like, can I just have this bed tonight for myself? Um, you can have upstairs. I can have down here. Or if we just need the van to ourselves, you know, um, I'll just ask like, hey, you know, can I just have this van today to myself and he'll go on a hike or um, I'll go on a hike and he can have the van. So we've just learned to like give each other space in that way. And, you know, from a place of love and empathy, um, it's hard sometimes. Uh, we, you know, we definitely get heated a little bit in the van and get on each other's nerves, but it's all about communication. And we've learned to learn to communicate better in the van, I have to say. Um creating rituals in the mornings like I'm a morning person my partner is not so in the mornings I wake up and I do whatever it takes to get me out of the van so I'm a runner I do yoga Um, mornings uh, movement is very important to me Um, it gets me grounded and really brings me into the present moment to get ready for my day whatever it may be so I get up really early I rise with the sun and I get out and when I'm back he's up and he's you know in good spirits coffee is brewing so we kind of have that yeah I guess we would say it's it's a ritual that that we we uh, have created in our van that we do no matter where we go I get out in the morning and he has the van to slowly wake up so it's actually really beautiful Erin how about you yeah, I think we, Caroline and I have a tendency to do everything together and we really enjoy it. And then all of a sudden, 
the wheels fall off the bus and we need to get away from each other really quickly. And like, it's sometimes can be hard to tell when that's coming because we think one of us is always surprised, you know, oh, we thought that was going really swimmingly and then it's like total fail. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I guess like, uh, one of the things is just like making sure we're, this sounds really, really stupid, but I'm just going to say it. We try to follow different people on Instagram and we try to read different books and we try to look at different things on the internet. So we have something to share at the end of the day. So we're not just speaking to each other things that we already know. And there's something new to share. We've been trying to create these, I don't know if it feels like artificial experiences, but new things to talk about rather than just like, oh, did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. This is kind of like a more logistical question and kind of goes back to what I was asking earlier about the driving part. But when you're planning your your trips, whether it's just the week, Naomi, or um, like a long weekend outside of Asheville, how do you decide where to stay, um, what to see, that sort of thing? Like what is your planning process for trips in your van? I would say... For Dustin and I, um, like I said earlier, we do like time blocks, work, and then uh, adventure. So it depends on where we are. Sometimes we just, you know, we'll look up, like if we're in uh, Arizona, we'll look up, you know, uh, public lands or monuments or places that we want to go hiking, uh, the best hiking trails. Uh, We do a lot of backpacking, so we'll probably look that up and and usually that's how we decide uh, where we want to go. Right now I'm writing a book um, about van life and um, I'm going to have a lot of photography in it so um, I've been planning around that. So this year our trip is really intentional and it has to do with collecting stories and photography for the book so um, so this year we're planning it that way so it's um, so it's really intentional. Uh, but usually, yeah, sometimes like earlier on, we would just point to a place on the map and we'd just say, okay, where do we want to go? And close my eyes, point there. And that was pretty exciting and adventurous. But, you know, uh, these days it's much more intentional. Uh, yeah, I think for us um, in the beginning, we, we went to places where neither of us had been before in an effort to um, see something new together. And then... Um, I mean, obviously we've been to places where one of us has gone, but we really like that idea of going someplace that we could both kind of um, see for the first time together as a kind of experience. But these days the work kind of drives like where we're going and then we've tried to tried to build in time so we can kind of take a wayward journey to get to those places in between the jobs. Um, but if it's like a weekend thing close to home, Google Maps and looking in on the terrain satellite thing and like seeing what you can see without having to see what all the bloggers and websites and everything has said and seeing if you can find your own what looks like a trail and a next to a river and seeing if you can find something off the beaten path. That's always interesting to me to I really like to play tourist when I'm in a new town to just embrace it and own it and say I'm going to do all the super touristy things because why not? You know, they're they're touristy for a reason. And then on my second pass through, then I'll, you know, kind of drop down into a deeper level. But I like playing tourists in my own town too. So. So for both of you, what has been the best place that you have visited in your van thus far? I'll have to say, I really, really love the Sawtooths. Yeah. The Sawtooths Mountains in, in Idaho. So beautiful. Dark Sky Reserve, just like 
I went there to report a story about the Dark Sky Reserve opening and was driving alone down the streets in my uncle's pickup truck like, it is too dark out here, but it's so beautiful. But it's just stunning. Yeah, hot springs, just remote backcountry, wildlife. Oh, it's, yeah, it's probably one of my favorite places. You know, I, this might be a really boring answer, but I'm going to give a shout out to my town, Asheville. Like, um, I have some bittersweet feelings about leaving um, to go west, which typically it's the opposite. I can't wait to go west and I'm like bittersweet about coming home. Um, but if you get the chance and you're anywhere available to come to the, the Blue Ridge Mountains, there's a lot to offer. There's a ton of breweries. It's not like a travel, sound like, like a travel ad, but it's a really cool place to, to come visit. <laughs> we touched on sort of being a responsible traveler and responsible van lifer earlier. But, you know, I think so many people have discovered the outdoors for the first time during the pandemic when they've been searching for sort of wide open spaces or rediscovered it. And I think that's probably is encouraging a lot of people to get on the road. And even if it's not for a sort of long length of time, even if it's just for a few months to kind of live the van life. And I think that also sets you up for maybe not behaving that responsibly in the outdoors if you aren't knowledgeable of the outdoors and also of the land that you're on. Um, what advice do you have for the for sort of people who are doing it for the first time about being respectful of the spaces that you're entering into? I recommend people that people, you know, learn the history of the land that they're on. You know, it's as simple as, you know, Googling like whose land am I on and and how should I honor that? Because all land are, is native land and they were here long before us taking care of the land. And I think it's really important for us to recognize that, to acknowledge that and to take the time to learn the true history um, so that we're not perpetuating false narratives and we're not perpetuating the erasure of the native people who um, the land belongs to. And I think that's a really good first step in unlearning the conditioning that we're taught about what it means to be an environmentalist, what it means to be a responsible um, outdoorist. Um, so I think that's a really good first step. And also just recognizing our own biases and you know, that, that perpetuates gatekeeping of uh, Black, Indigenous, Asian, and Latinx and other people of color in the outdoors. Um, I think that's an important, really, really important thing to, to learn when we're navigating the outdoors because there are more BIPOC in the outdoors today, uh, this year than ever. Like I've seen so many um, BIPOC van lifers on the road and it's really exciting for me, but also... You know, it, it, it's a little scary because, um, you know, we are being uh, policed on public lands all the time. I hear stories. We can't be, you know, environmentally responsible without being socially responsible. Like it goes hand in hand. And I think it, that it's really important for people to to check their biases and learn uh, the true relationship of BIPOC and the outdoors and also, um, you know, acknowledging and sharing information with each other in the unlearning process, because we can only have this with a real uncomfortable conversations. 
I just want to take a pass to let what you just said, Naomi, to just amplify what you said. So taking a pass to let your answer take up more space. Thank you. And you can hear Jalen Goff, founder of Native Women's Wilderness, speak a little more to those points, too, in a recent episode that I'll link in the show notes. Uh, as a final question, I've got kind of a simple one. What do you love most about van life? For me, I would say uh, community. I love, yes, the travel, the everything is just gorgeous. And we love it. I love being able to have my home with me all the time. Um, and see beautiful places and explore. But beyond that, um, this is really the first time that I've ever felt a deep sense of belonging to community. Um, It's truly a challenge, you know, I mean, building remote and virtual communities. But um, 2020 has been just instrumental in solidifying and mobilizing the Diversify Van Life community and really bringing the Van Life BIPOC community closer together. I mean, we we mobilized, we leaned into it. Um, we're learning and growing together and taking up space and shifting the narrative. And for me, that is just one of the most um, impactful experiences I've ever had in, in, you know, living this road travel nomadic lifestyle. So I would say for me, it's it's the community. I, I would agree with that too. I also think for me, it's um, getting to know my wife, my partner in, in these ways. And oftentimes I can feel what it feels like to be at a really beautiful sunset at an overlook. And then I can see it in her face and I'm like, oh yeah, like that, you know, we're, we're having a similar experience. It's something to connect on and deepen our relationship. And um, I've, I've really loved meeting the, the random people that have come out of the internet too. Like into real life, people will reach out and say, Hey, you're in my town. Do do you want to grab a beer? I'm like, this is a real person. Yes. You know? And and we do that. And then they, we stay connected. And I think that's one of the coolest things about being mobile and having the the internet to just connect people and, and bring it into real life. The first time that happened, it sort of blew my mind. Like this isn't just someone that lives in the phone, you know, like, uh, And and that feeling of being able to kind of connect with them almost immediately because you do have some sort of knowledge about them just from interacting on Instagram. It's wild. It's really cool. Snaps to that, Erin. That's, yeah, snaps. Yeah. It's beautiful. You're so so true. (laughs) Speaking of community, if people want to follow you, Naomi, on your journey over the next who knows how long, where can they find you on the internet? You can follow my van life journey on my Instagram at iritoaurora and at diversify.vanlife. On my website, iritoaurora.com, you'll find eco van life tips and digital nomad resources and guides. Amazing. And Erin? Uh, my Instagram handle is e.mcgrady and authentic Asheville. Um, and you can just Google authentic Asheville and you'll find our, our travel blog. You can find me at oh, hey there, Mayor. And me at Lale Hannah. Be sure to follow Women Who Travel on Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter. Links to Erin and Naomi's social media accounts and all of the things that we've talked about today will be linked in the show notes. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.